Welcome to the Water and Stone podcast. You are listening to episode 104. We'd like to share our Sunday worship service for February 10th, 2019. The title is, It's Like Home. And it is the sixth in our series, It's Like This. No matter how much we change and grow, there's always room at the table. So our uh, scripture today, Proverbs 24, 3, by wisdom, a house is built and by understanding it's established. Now, that sounds great on paper or, you know, on the screen, I suppose. It sounds good. It's the kind of thing that I think there's probably a dozen different things at Cracker Barrel you could buy that have something like that on them. Sounds good. It's the kind of thing that one would embroider on a thing. Ah, wisdom and understanding, and that's the basis of our house and all of that. I love it. It's a great credo. I mean, it's a proverb. Nice. Nice. But it doesn't always feel true. Nice and true sometimes don't feel synonymous, you know what I mean? I think that this kind of thing is one of the reasons why some people don't go to church anymore. Because I say a thing like, your house is built on understanding and wisdom, and they say, you don't know where I grew up. You know what I mean? I don't have that feeling of understanding or wisdom where I'm from. And so clearly what you're talking about is a whole different world than what I am experiencing. Therefore, you don't have anything to say to me. I get it. I get it. Hmm, but that's not the whole story, is it? Because the Bible doesn't say, by the highest understanding, a house is built. The Bible doesn't say, by the wisest wisdom, a house is built. What's being said there, in part at least, is whatever you understand. That's what you're building on. So think about it. The house that you live in now, the house that you grew up in back then, whatever went on, it wasn't a house because of the bricks and the drywall and the two-by-fours and all that stuff. That's not what it was, was it? Most families move a couple of times. The house comes with you, you know what I mean? It's not built on material things. The house that you live on is built on the understandings that you share. Think about it. Yeah, I get it. Sometimes those understandings, not uh, to use the technical term, so awesome. Sometimes the understandings that a house are built on are things like dysfunction and abuse and addiction. Sometimes the understandings are that we all have to kowtow to one particular person in the house or don't talk about that elephant in the room or whatever. That's the understanding of that house, and that is what that house gets built on. So it's not necessarily the kind of thing you embroider just because it sounds good by itself. It is almost, almost a warning. In other words, what do you got between your ears? What do you got in your heart? Because that's where you're going to live. It's more of a thou shalt check thyself before thy wreck thyself <laughs> kind of a moment. You know what I mean? What do you understand? Because that's what you're going to live in. And this is a big deal. Because, I mean, after all, I don't know where you've been, but there's a pretty good chance that there are people in this room who have grown through and maybe walked away from all kinds of really deeply scary home situations. I get it. And I don't want to belittle that for a moment. I'm so glad that you're not there now. Thank you for being here. I get it. But the question becomes, how do I fix that? Now, different people have tried different things. I can fix a... a feeling broken home by yelling at it, by fighting, by getting bigger sticks. Does that ever work? Not unless you're really interested in, in seeing what Dr. Phil is up to on a one-on-one -on -one basis. Doesn't work, never worked, couldn't work. 
It just escalates everything, and it never feels right. Other people say, well, the, the, the issue is just to run away. I've been running away from home my whole life. I'm not interested in any of that stuff, and forget it, and I'm going to move away from that. And I understand that, but you know about geographical care stuff. Here's the thing. You can't help living in a home. <laughs> you can't help it, no matter how hard you run away, because if home, like the Bible says, is built on understanding, everywhere you go, you know stuff, you feel stuff, so you are going to, with every thought and every word and every action, build your environment. And so if you run away from something, but you carry with you the same set of understandings and ideas, well, you know what happens. We're in Florida. Everybody used to live somewhere else. You carry with you whatever you got, right? It's the deal. So you can't fight it. You can't run away with it. Sometimes people decide, well, I'm just going to sit in it. I'm just going to cope because I guess this is just my lot in life. And oh, drama is delicious. <laughs> Let's get over it. Here's the thing. God does not operate by accident. You, whether you know it or not, man, oh man, whether you like it or not, you're here for a reason. There's stuff God needs you to do. Let's start doing it. And that moment starts, that birthright gets seized when we stop putting up with stuff that hurts and we start deciding to live a life that's just a little bit healthier, a little bit more functional. I'm not expecting us all to just snap out of it. All of a sudden, we're going to walk across the harbor to get home. But I am asking that we start with some word, some thought, some action of peace. It's time to take it back. That's what I'm suggesting. Find some small way to grow through something because God needs you. Let me put that a different way. The world is made out of people just like you and me. And the world is a better place when people just like you and me decide on peace. Just like the song says, let it begin with me. So we have no choice. We live in a home. We have no choice. It's time to step up and fix it and take it back. We have no choice. You see, each and every one of us is born with incredible freedom to do beautiful things and incredible freedom to do really dumb things. It's part of the beautiful thing about being a child of God. We've got this amazing range of stuff. And we can filter however we want. We can perceive however we want. We can believe however we want. And we can experience however we want. Don't try this at home. You know what I mean? Mm. But to balance out that freedom, we are each one of us born with a beautiful, sweet homesickness. Each and every moment, each and every person is born with a homesickness for the presence of God, a homesickness for love with a capital L, a homesickness just to know who we are and to be part of the one. However you want to phrase, it doesn't matter to me. I can't imagine God's interested in brand recognition. Whatever you want to call it, each and every person is homesick for that moment, that experience. No matter what the physicality is, it's all that's important. And in fact, when things get taken away, it's the thing that we jump into. One of our people, Mitch, spends a lot of time every week up in Florida's panhandle helping people get back into their homes. It's a part of Florida that a lot of folks have kind of forgotten about. But it's a place we need a lot of help. And there's Mitch. I mean, it's not just Mitch with a screwdriver. There are other people there. But it's amazing. Us Floridians know what it's like when there's a storm coming. And it doesn't matter if you like your neighbor or not. You go help and put plywood up. Because you know how important it is to find home. 
You know what that homesickness feels like. And I'll put that a different way. Think about every dumb thing you ever did. <laughs> Just for a minute. We'll get past it. Don't worry. <laughs> Think about every dumb thing you ever did. I've done loads. Don't talk to me about being a preacher's kid. We're problems. <laughs> there are people in this room I was in the teen group with at church, and they know better than I'd like them to know. Everybody's done it, whatever it was. But here's the thing. Whatever you did, you were just trying to satisfy that homesickness. Maybe you had a silly set of ideas about how to get that. Maybe you were looking for love in all the wrong places. Maybe you were doing silly stuff because you didn't know any better. You were just trying to satisfy that homesickness. Now you know better. Do it different. That's all. Jesus said it better when he said, go and sin no more. In other words, yeah, you messed up. Come here. Don't do it that way anymore. You know better. Oh, and if you know that, that everybody's in the same boat as far as that, we can start to forgive other people. Whatever you did, imaginary person that I can't stop thinking about in the middle of the night when I'm trying to sleep, and I go, ooh, you know what? They're just trying to get home, too. Maybe they don't know any better. That doesn't mean I'm here to put up with stuff that hurts, but it is here to, to say that I'm allowed to let go of how they did it and start getting back to why. Each and every one of us. We're not any different than, than the animals you see on the Discovery Channel, those, those what the salmon that can spawn back, go back to where they were born, and elephants know about where they were born, and, and you know, all that kind of stuff. We're not different. We have that same biological call. We have that same psychological call. We have that same spiritual call, because it's all the same thing. Everybody is just trying to get home. There's a car show that I watch. Uh, it's a British car show. I don't even know much about cars, and I'm not British, as you know, so I don't know why I watch it, but it's fun. I have an Amazon Prime thing. I have to watch a certain amount of television. <laughs> but last week, a couple days ago, they did a whole uh, a little uh, passage, like 20 minutes, about this race car driver named Jim Clark. And you don't know who Jim Clark is, probably. I didn't know either. But back in the 60s, he was the celebrity. Bigger than you'd think about like Michael Jordan or William the Refrigerator Perry. You can see where my sports references come from. Those are all from the 80s or whatever. Whatever. But he was a huge celebrity in England and in Europe. He won every race. No one could touch him. He was minutes ahead, not seconds like you think of in a car race. Minutes ahead of the person in second place. He could not be touched. And they did this little movie about how incredible it was just to be around him because he was a nice guy and he cared. The sense he had about what he did. There was an interview with one of the guys that worked in his pit crew. And he said, you know, he came in for this race and he said, you know, something's feeling funny in the back wheel there. And I said, well, they look at it and they change it. They put the air in the tire and all that. No, you're fine. Go on. And he went again and he came around again for another pit stop. It's not, something's wrong. I can feel it. And he went around and went around and he won the race anyway because that's who he was. But the mechanic said, you know, after everybody went to bed and the race was over, I stayed up all night and I took that whole car apart. And just in the inside of one of the little parts, there was this little part that was just starting to wear out. And no one should know about that. But he knew because he was present. And there's this, you know, old British car mechanic using kind of a new agey word. He was present. He was intentional. But it's true. Because that's what it takes to win. And each and every moment, they would show all of these clips of Jim Clark. And when he was getting ready to do the race, he had that look, that eye of the tiger look. You know, the look when you're about to do something important. And even when he would win the race, and you know, you can visualize a scene when you drink whatever it is from the whatever it is. And you know, I'm a real jock. And, uh, and you know, the moment of celebration, even in the celebration, focus. 
drive, what's next? And he'd win a race and get on a plane and go do another race. And finally, he came to America where no one had heard of him, and he won the Indy 500 on his first go. Like, just destroyed the competition. And this is it. This is all you can win. And they wanted to have a big parade back in London and the capital city and all of that, ticker tape and all that, because he was a household word. And he said, you know, I just want to go home to this little town in Scotland where I'm from. And so instead of the big celebration, they just had a little thing, and the mayor or whoever, some dignitary, gave him the key to the city, and it was no big deal, and there was like 20 people because it was a town of about 20 people. But I loved seeing that video clip because whereas every other time in victory or in the intensity of the sport or whatever else, he had that look of intensity, but when he came home, it just opened up, and there was a smile and there was a light because that's what happens when you go home. Because that's what we're hungry for, that place. But, but that's every story, isn't it? I mean, how many movies, how many books, The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings, they are, the whole point is to come home. If you think about, I don't want to spoil it for you, but that Mad Max movie that came out a couple of years ago, deeply spiritual film. The whole movie is they drive in a straight line to a place, and they turn around, and they drive back. That's literally the movie. That's the cliff notes. You've now seen Mad Max. That's it. It's all about coming home. Every story. There's like 27 Rocky movies now. I think now he's just hitting people with an orthopedic cane at this point. <laughs> but every one of those movies is the same plot. The plot is forget about the new stuff. Do what comes from inside. The simple moments. Do what you learned at home. It's every story. The Bible is a huge story about coming home filled with little stories about coming home. It's your story. And that Joseph Campbell thing, that hero's journey, what we learn is that it's not about slaying the dragon, it's not about rescuing the princess, it's not about anything. The moment happens, the hero becomes a hero when they come home changed. That's what it is. Come home changed and help somebody else. That's the moment when the hero becomes a hero. And I tell you that, not because I wanted to talk about Mad Max in particular, but I tell you that instead because here's the deal. If you're looking for meaning, if you feel like you're not connecting with it, if you feel like you don't get it, I don't understand this whole God thing, this whole universe thing, this whole life thing, I don't get the meaning. If you're looking for meaning, ask yourself, am I letting myself be changed? Am I coming home with it? And am I helping somebody else? If you do those things, you fulfill the hero's journey. You become the hero. Let yourself be changed. But that involves that, that little switcheroo moment that you see in every movie. I mean, every adventure movie's got it. Dorothy's been wearing the shoes the whole time. She could have gone home the whole time. She just had to change her mind. Every love story, you know, Dorothy changes her understanding, right? Every love story, there's that moment where the hero stops going after the prom queen or whatever, and their best friend takes off her glasses. You know the moment. It's in every movie. Come on, Nora Ephron, let's do it different. It's, it's every movie. When you change the way you see, it's right there. Come on. Love was there the whole time. It's even in every horror movie because the calls are coming from inside the house. It's true. And you know what? We keep telling the same story because it's our story. The calls are coming from inside the house. You know that the thing that you're yearning for, hungry for, homesick for, the thing that you desire is desiring you. 
It's always the face of God looking back at you. Filter through whatever you got going on, but back to that piece of scripture. You want to change your home, change your understanding. Get a bigger idea and go do a thing about it. It's that great switcheroo. And it gets you in touch with the fact that you knew the whole time the calls were coming from inside the house the whole time. I mean, think about it. You can be somebody that's never had an experience of what home is like. Bad situation, dysfunctional, whatever it is, the whole deal. And yet you know it when you see it. Why is that? Where'd that come from? It didn't come from watching sitcoms. You can be a person who's never experienced love. Those are, there are people like that. There are people like that in this room. There are people like that watching on the internet. You can be the kind of person who has no real experience of love, and yet you know it when you see it. Where did it come from? How is it that so many people are nostalgic for an experience that they have never had? God put it there. That's what we are homesick for. That is how we grow. There is something calling you a priori recognition of love, of home. And after all, home is where the heart is, so decide to dig in. Where's your heart? That's where your life will be. Decide to be intentional about it, and things change. Or, in the words of one of my favorite stand-up philosophers, Mitch Hedberg, yeah, Google him later, not right now, he says, if you're ever lost in the woods, forget it, build a house. I used to be lost, but now I live here. I have dramatically improved my predicament. <laughs> and I love that joke. I don't mind stealing the joke. But one of the reasons I love it is because it's a deep spiritual principle. If you feel lost, build a house. In other words, dig in. Be where you are. As Jenny said this morning, we do incredible work with Habitat for Humanity. God, it's so beautiful. I'm so grateful for it. It's so amazing to be there in love and to come back later and see once that house is done, see how the neighborhood has changed and the ripple effect. Because you and I both know that the Habitat neighborhoods tend to be kind of negatively viewed neighborhoods. Try to say that as generically and sensitively as I can. You know what I mean. They're not places where you would want to go. They're full of situations where people don't want to be there. They're trying to get out of it. They're, with their life, they're, they're not happy. And I get it. There's all kinds of reasons. We're not going to go there. But something happens when someone lives there with love, when the house is built with intention, when the person who lives there knows that I live here because love built this house more real than anything you could buy at Home Depot. And it filters out in ways like somebody just planting flowers, somebody painting or sweeping the front walk. But when someone lives there, really lives there, that's all they have to do. They don't have to teach a class. When somebody just lives there, it changes that neighborhood. And when they live in that neighborhood, it changes the city, and that changes the world. Ask yourself of the situation that you're in, if I feel lost, maybe I need to just live here instead of trying to get away. Theologically, there are so many times when people are trying to escape to heaven or whatever, and I get it. But if I'm always with one foot out the door, I am not doing much good right now. And those religious traditions that are always trying to escape are the ones that are doing some real harm. And I'm over it. What if we just live here? What if we just live here with intention? What if we decide to be who God let us be right now? Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is in your midst. He didn't say pack your bags, y'all. What if God's here? 
What if I show up? What if I'm home? Now, I get it. That word home is a weird word. People say, you know what? When I think of home, I think of all those bad things that happened to me. I understand. But maybe it's time to take it back. Because home is not your biology. Home is not DNA. Home is not building materials. Home is something deeper than dysfunction and judgment and all of that stuff. Enough. When it's done right, and like I said, we know it when we see it. When it's done right, home is where support is. Home is where accountability is. Home is where love is. Can you decide to have that? Home doesn't have to be a bad word if we take it back. People say the same thing about church. When we told people we were building church over a year ago, people said, oh, I don't like that word. I had a negative experience with church. Can't you call it something else, a spiritual campus or a, a religious Lollapalooza or a... Come on. Somebody got food poisoning once, so let's not call it a restaurant. Let's call it a food center. Let's call it a sandwich campus. Come on. I mean, sandwich campus sounds like a, a Frank Zappa album or something. It's... Let's not insult each other's intelligence. Let's be where we are. I get it. Negative things have happened in the name of church, but I'm taking it back. It's time. Negative things have happened in the name of home. I get it. But we're taking it back. It's time. No more of that. You deserve better. The world deserves the best version of you that you can give it. When you take it back, when you decide to really live where you are, when you decide to build a house with intention, everything changes. Your home, your neighborhood, your world. When you take it back, you find what you've been looking for because it's been looking for you the whole time. I'm taking it back because I know who I am. And it is time to be free. Because after all, freedom is a choice. Thank you very much. This is Dieter Randolph, and I just want to thank you for listening to that Sunday lesson, and I want to thank you for being part of our virtual church family. If you'd like to know more about what we're doing at Water and Stone Church, the easiest thing to do is go to our website, waterandstonechurch.com. There's all kinds of amazing content. There's blog posts and videos and other episodes of this podcast and just all kinds of great things. And especially there's a calendar of events. We're always doing amazing uh, service projects in the community, all kinds of classes and services. Go to our website and find out how you can be a part of it. You can also text I am ready to 84576. That's all one word, I A M R E A D Y to 84576. It's a great way to get a once a week message about what we're up to. That's how we do our newsletter and special events and stuff like that. It's a great way to be in the loop. This podcast and everything that we do at Water and Stone is supported by you. And what that means is there's a lot of little things you can do to help us keep the lights on around here. If you go to the website, once again, waterandstonechurch.com, you can find out how to give electronically. You can find out how to shop at Amazon in such a way that benefits the church at no extra cost to you. Really and truly, though, the best way to support what we're doing is to help spread the word. Repost this. Tweet it. Like it on Facebook. Find our social media accounts on Instagram and Twitter. We've got two amazing YouTube channels. Go find those and like and subscribe and share. That's huge for us. Wherever you're listening to this podcast, iTunes or whatever, please give us a five-star review. That really helps as well. But at the end of the day, 
There's nothing like being there with us in person. Come join us at 11 a.m. every Sunday at the beautiful Harbor Hall. That's part of the University of South Florida's St. Pete campus. The street address is 1000 3rd Street South in St. Petersburg, Florida. Every Sunday at 11 a.m., there is a sense of family, a feeling of community, an uplifting lesson, music like you've never heard anywhere, and a life-changing message. It's time for a new life for you and a new world for all of us.